The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for joining us again today as we take a few minutes out of our day uh, to look into God's Word. We're glad you're with us. I like to quickly, I try to do this frequently to let people know the different places they can find this content. It is in a couple platforms. Uh, we place it on our new YouTube channel, Grace Baptist Church of Bakersfield, California. Uh, you go over to the live platform because that's how we post it to the live stream. Um, so, you can find it. It's going to be in a playlist. Um, Sparky puts it in playlist afterwards, and so right now you can just find it under the book of Matthew, and you'll see our last playlist of Second Corinthians. And as we keep going, you'll find more. So if you're new to this, there's other content there. Uh, you can also find it on the fa- uh, Grace Baptist Church's Facebook page and my own Facebook page as well. Stream down through uh, the post, and it'll be there. Uh, but that was, hey, also, if you prefer to listen to this in audio format, you can find this on iTunes or Apple Podcast. really. Find it on Spotify, Amazon, uh, I think it's in Google. We try to have it in pretty much every place. You tune in, all the places, the most popular places. Um, you would search for Source of Truth, Source of Truth podcast. Uh, you'll come up and you'll see this, and, uh, and then and it'll be, you'll see it up there. Um, by date and things of that nature. Uh, Those are some ways you can find us. Today, we're going to continue the book of Matthew as we study the life of Christ through Matthew's gospel. In the last couple of weeks, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, a very um, practical, relevant message that Jesus taught that in many occasions is counterculture, as we're going to see today. What I mean is the culture states that certain things are okay. Some of it's just sin or not sin. Some of it is uh, today a little more practicality, more philosophy-based, not philosophy, but it is somewhat philosophy-based because my philosophy, what I believe, will establish what I do. Uh, We've stated that, that our thinking establishes our beliefs, our beliefs establish our actions, and so if we want to change our actions, we got to go back to what it is we dwell on. we got to go back to what we think about, what we read, what we bring in, what we allow to establish our belief system. And so Jesus is confronting that and teaching that and helping that through this Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to look at a passage that I would say practically it's one of the harder ones to do. Um, some would say this is easy. Uh, for me, not so much. Maybe others, it is. Uh, so I'm going to read through this. It starts in verse 43. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So the people at this point have been taught uh, what we consider to be level of common sense. Those who love you and do well for you, it makes sense to love them back, right? But those who are mean to you, you have every right to ignore and be mean back. That's literally what we've been told. You can hate those. Now, I would say we've got to be careful on the term enemy. Uh, He says here, hate your enemy. Well, who's the enemy? When you really think about it, to us, if we're not careful, everybody who likes us is our friend. Anybody who doesn't like us is our enemy. Well, the enemy is a pretty strong word. So that was the thinking, though. If you're good friends with them, great. If you're not, you have a right to hate them. Jesus says in verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Too good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, here's what he goes into. And he uses just as strong, if not stronger, language here. So let's go in. First of all, he goes, love your enemies. Now, let me tell you something. This is an important thing to have, a conversation to have when you talk about the word love. I think it's important we understand this because... 
The word love in today's society is seen as what we call a Hollywood perspective, all right? We watch a Hollywood movie, and love is the thing that drives me. Love is the thing that heals me, and it's just emotion, and, and it happens. So I get married because I love this person, and then after a while, my life changes, my circumstance, their circumstance changes. I just don't love them anymore. Then I just need to get out and go find someone else I love. And here's what they say. Well, I, have to, I deserve to be happy, so therefore I'm going to leave this marriage, this relationship, to engage engage with someone else that makes me happy, gives me love. And we're destroying marriages, we're destroying lives for this idea of Hollywood love. That's not the idea. What they're describing is infatuation. They're describing self-love, if you really want to be there. This person makes me happy. This person does good for me. And as soon as they stop doing good for me, I'm out and I'm going to find someone else who does good for me. There's nothing about what I give into those relationships. And that's the love. That's what love's being taught today. Love is what I can get from something. Please remember, if you have that kind of love, if that's your thinking, what can I get from this relationship? A relationship is like a bank account. You are going to drain it if you're not putting into it. If you're not putting money into your bank account, there's a limited amount you can withdraw. If you're not feeding into your marriage, into any relationship you're in, in your family relationship, into your marriage, into work relationship, into friends and family, you'll have nothing to pull and you will drain them. So please remember that. This, though, is not referencing that. The idea of love in marriage, biblical marriage, the idea of love here is a choice. I will choose to treat people, in some occasions, better than they deserve. In Ephesians, he tells us, be kind, be uh, using speech. Um, let no, he says, no, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that many may minister grace to the hearer. He says, use kind words. Even giving them grace, giving them something they don't deserve. If they deserve a piece of your mind, God says give them kindness. So he says, listen, love your enemies, true enemies, love them. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. This is not just a matter of stay away. Okay, I don't like him, but stay away. I need to treat them well. Then he goes on to say why. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and under good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. First of all, the Bible teaches us that God is no respecter of persons. He treats them all, all the same. So he's saying, if I want to be like Christ, I need to treat people the same when they come into my life, whether they're good friends of mine, whether they really are nice to me, or whether they're coming in to hurt me. I need to treat them the same because I strive to be like Christ. Now, please understand, there were times that Jesus, the Bible says, was a friend of sinners. He loved sinners, but then he was kind of harsh with the Pharisees and, and Sadducees. So there is, there's that distinguishing there. Uh, but yeah, Jesus also went to the cross and offered salvation for everybody, including the Pharisees and Sadducees, anybody who would come. So the key is this, we need to treat everybody the same. Here's what he's saying there, verse um, 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? It's not really hard to do that, right? To love people who are kind to you, easy to do. You do not, do not even the tax collectors do the same. Remember, tax collectors were hated in this day, much more than they are today, but they were hated because they were given permission to steal from people. So they were hated. He goes, so he's naming one of the most hated group of people. He goes, even tax collectors are nice to people who are nice to them. He says in verse 47, if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? He goes, if you're just really nice 
to just friends. Again, the phrase of it, you're no different than what you consider to be the bad people in the world. Therefore, verse 48, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, growing into maturity, striving. What you're doing is giving that representation. And so he comes this idea, if I desire to be like Christ, I need to treat everybody the same. I can't uh, you can come to church. This is a silly example because hopefully you don't have a whole lot of enemies in church, but it can grow that way. Here's the point. You come to church and you're really happy to sit and spend time with people that you get along with, but what are we doing to ministering to the people who are hurting that ha are new or those who there's been conflict with? Well, I'm never talking to them again. That's just not the way God designs. Can I, can I tell you one of the things God's looking for is reconciliation. All right, if there's been hurt, he's desiring reconciliation. And let me tell you something I've learned. I've learned this, and it's unfortunate, but it's a fact. You can do everything you want in some scenarios to gain reconciliation and still never get it. Because reconciliation does, requires two points of view. You do everything you're supposed to. If the other person doesn't want it, you can't do anything more. And by the way, you're, still, you're done what you can. You're not in sin. You've done your part. You need to move forward. But what we don't want to do is this person's mad or says something at me, we walk away in anger. Can I, can I just go one step? I could go a lot into this, but just one more thought, and then we'll be done here. One of the things that happens is someone be mean to me, persecutes me, as the Bible says, you know, makes fun of me, is not a friend. You know what we do? We, we find ourselves becoming self-centered. Now I have a right to be angry at that person. Can I tell you, that's not really about that person. I have a right to be angry. That's really all it comes down to. I have a right to be angry. And I hope you understand that anger turns into bitterness. And the Bible says that bitterness defiles many. It comes, it's in the root. You don't see it until it comes up. And when it comes up and the bitterness has taken root and it's strong, uh, now you begin to hurt the people around you. And then you might even come to the point of blaming them for that. You'll be very careful that we can't control what other people do, but we can act biblically. That's what it comes down to. I can't control who, how nice people are or not to me, but I can be what God wants me to be. I tell my family when we go through this, let's just try to be better. People hurt us, and that can happen. People say things, and it's just the way life is going to be. No matter where you live, it may happen. Am I going to react? Should I let the sin of someone else convince me that it's okay to sin? No, no. I need to make sure that I treat everybody equally no matter what. I'm telling you, you treat somebody who's trying to be mean to you, and you treat them well, they're going to have no idea what to do with you. They're going to be like, well, what do I do? Because they don't have power. That's what you're trying to gain is power over you. Don't give it to them. Don't let that anger and bitterness be free because you are of your father, you are to be like him, and do not let other people control who you are going to be. Represent Jesus, and, let, and then let God deal with those situations you cannot. Thanks again for joining us today on this Wednesday. I appreciate the opportunity to be part of your day. Hope it's a help. Hope it's an encouragement. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We're praying for you. I love you. Hope if we can be a blessing and help to you, please reach out and let us do that. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.